Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. If I do not know you, hi, my name is Jazzy. I am the kids... I paid them all to do that. Uh, my name is Jazzy. I am the kids pastor here. So if you, you know, came here for the first time, you're like, man, I cannot wait to hear Pastor Tim bring a word. You'll have to come back because he's not bringing the word today. <laughs> uh, I am the kids pastor and the baptism admin. So if you have kids, feel free to come and meet me. If you need to get baptized, feel free to come to meet me. If you want to join either said team, kids or baptism, come and see me. We would be glad to help you jump on team. Uh, The past two weeks, we have been in a series called By Faith, The Sequel. And if you are confused, if it's your first time, I'm gonna tell you a little bit about it and remind you what we've learned the past two weeks. So at the beginning of the year, Pastor Tim took us through a series called By Faith, where we went through Hebrews 11 and read about some incredible pillars of our faith, like Abraham and Sarah. And at the end of um, this year, before our anniversary service, Pastor Tim felt like our By Faith series still had some life on it. So we decided to go back into it. Um, But instead of going through Hebrews 11 again, We actually, well, I say we, which makes it sound like I had something to do with it, but I did not. Um, The incredible worship leaders and uh, poets and lyricists that we have here wrote a song, but I'm just gonna say we wrote a song called uh, By Faith, and it's all based in scripture. So we're looking at lyrics from that song and the scripture that they are founded on to go through our By Faith, the sequel. And in week one, we talked about the woman who had an issue of blood. She had a bleeding disorder for 12 years, but was healed in an instant by clinging on to Jesus's robe. And in week two, we went to that same section of scripture and we read a story about a man named Jairus who had a daughter that was sick. And when he was on his way to ask Jesus to heal her, she actually died. But then Jesus goes and raises her from the dead. This week, I decided to uh, have my sermon be based off of the interlude, which reads, spinning hope into reality, though I can't see it, I believe. Open the door, the future's lost on me, but there's not a thing that you don't see. When Pastor Tim shared the vision about this series with me, those were the lyrics that I knew I wanted to preach about because what I immediately thought about was a Saturday a Saturday filled with grief and confusion and sadness of people that were unaware about a Sunday that was coming. If you are a note taker, our title of today's sermon is Sunday is Coming. That is special for my friend Ati who always takes notes, so that is for you. Uh, Sunday is coming. Uh, Will you pray with me for a moment before we jump in? Lord, I pray that uh, I would get out of the way and you would move today. Lord, I pray that right now you would prepare the hearts of people that are sitting in a Saturday that need the hope of Sunday. Lord, at this moment right now, before the prayer, before the altar calls, would you already start to move? Would you soften hearts to receive from you, open ears to hear and eyes to see your truth and your love today? It's in your name I pray, amen. 
Now, even if you're new to church and don't come a ton, maybe you're a, I have the, they have a name for people that come on Christmas and Easter, like a, a creaster, is that what they call them? Yeah, I think it's lame, but people say that. Uh, for people that only come on Christmas and Easter, and so if you are one of those people, fear not, you will know the story I'm about to get into. We have the story of Easter where there is the Virgin Mary, which is a great way to be described for all eternity is a virgin. So there's the Virgin Mary who gets, <laughs> no offense to anybody in that room that that describes. So there is this woman named Mary and God comes down and tells her, I am going to, you are going to give birth to the Messiah that your people have been praying for. And she gets pregnant and her incredible fiance sticks with her and they give birth, well, she gives birth. He probably didn't do anything besides freak out. I don't know. Uh, she gives birth in a manger and then Jesus grows up and he lives 30 years of a sinless, perfect life. And then this is where you come in. At age 30, when he starts his public ministry, you are one of his disciples. Yes, you, right here in San Francisco, not in Israel. So uh, you are one of his disciples and you get to live with him and walk with him. You see him perform the miracles like the one that we talked about the past two weeks. You're there in the crowd when that woman is healed of her 12 year long battle with the issue of blood. You're in the room when Jairus' daughter who was dead is risen again. You see him feed the multitudes with a kid's sack lunch and you think, I think this is our Messiah the Messiah that our people have been waiting for for hundreds of years, the Messiah that scripture is littered talking about, I think this is him. You have so much hope and joy on the fact that all those prayers has come to. But then, one day, your Messiah is betrayed. He is arrested. He is beaten unrecognizable he is hung on a cross and he dies. And right there on that cross, your hope dies with him. He was supposed to defeat the Roman government. You had seen him heal people. He was supposed to heal everything and make everything right. How is it that this man who rose people from the dead is now dead? You're confused and lost and you feel hopeless. And it's been three days, and you're walking. And this is where we go to Luke chapter 24, 15 through 32, where two of Jesus' followers are walking and talking about what has taken place over the last three days. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short sadness written on their faces. Then one of them, Cleophas said, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all these things that have happened here the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. Things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death. And they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who came to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. 
But then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them that Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining all of the scriptures, the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus, and at the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he was going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked to us on the road and explained the scriptures to him? At some point or another, as followers of Jesus, I'm sure you have or will find yourself feeling a lot like these men. Stop short. Sadness on your face as you recount a hope that is lost. I didn't want to go through this series without addressing two groups of people in this room that I think might feel like these men as we go through this series. The first group of people that I wanna address is those of you that feel like you have an unanswered prayer. Or what I think is actually better described as a prayer that was answered, just not the way you had hoped. This is the people that fasted and prayed and prayed and prayed and believed against all hope that there would be a miracle. You prayed when your father got the diagnosis of cancer that he would be healed. You prayed for financial provision when you were in struggle. You prayed for the pregnancy to last, just to be met with death and loss and financial ruin. And I, first of all, wanna say to you that I am so sorry. I know what it feels like to be one of those men, to feel like that maybe my hope was misplaced when I placed it in God's hands. I prayed for a long time and fasted for my best friend's dad to be healed of cancer just to see it take his life. I prayed with a family member and a friend who started spotting when they were pregnant for it to end in heartache and not a baby. I know what that feels like to have your hope lost. But better than me is Jesus as always. He wants to be more than understanding and sympathize with you. I want you to go to uh, Matthew chapter 23, verses 38 through 39, where before the meeting on the road with his followers and before his death on the cross, Jesus found himself in a garden. He told them, the disciples, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will be done and not mine. Jesus himself found himself praying in suffering, praying for suffering to be taken from him. 
He prayed that he would not have to go on the cross because he knew what that would mean. But God's will for his life was for him to endure the cross. So Jesus understands what it's like to have a prayer that is answered the way we would not like it to be. And what's better than that is he shows those of us that are in this room that are walking through that right now what is available to them. Because what we see in both of these stories is an invitation. In the first story, we see that Jesus met these men on the road. They were hopeless. They were sad. And Jesus met them there. Then they invited him over for dinner, and he said yes. And he sat with them and taught with them and explained truth to them. And when Jesus himself found himself crushed to the point of death with grief, he asked his friends to sit with him while he went to go sit with the Father. My hope today for those of you that feel like you have an unanswered prayer that is making it hard for you to hear these sermon series because you are sitting in this room thinking, yeah, I already did that. I prayed for that miracle and it didn't happen. I came up to the altar just like you guys are. I fasted and prayed and it didn't happen. What's available for you is an invitation to relationship. Jesus showed us what to do when we're walking through that stage and so my encouragement for you is to come to him today. This series is for you too because you need a miracle. In 1 Corinthians 12, we read about the gift of faith, and it is a faith that is an unshakable confidence in God's word and who he is and in his promises, regardless of our circumstances. That is the miracle those of you in this camp need today. You need to be able to experience a faith that says, God, I know I prayed last time and it didn't come through, but I have another miracle I'm praying for and I'm gonna come to you again. And I can't promise you all the answers. I wasn't even gonna attempt to try to be the person who's up here and is like, here's 15 reasons why your prayer wasn't answered. Because theologians and smarter people can argue about that. All I know is some prayers get answered and some don't. Some people are healed and some are not. Some people get saved and some are not. But I've come to believe that in the invitation of relationship with Jesus, we get something that's even better than our answered prayer. We get him. In the suffering is so often where our deepest relationships are born with Jesus. And I know, because I've sat on my knees before God and said, if you are a protector, why didn't you protect me? I sat before God and I said, if you really loved me, then why didn't you protect me from this? And I didn't always get all the answers, but what I got was better. I got him. He says, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. He doesn't promise every answer, but he promises rest. He promises a peace that surpasses what you've gone through and what you can understand. He promises himself. So my prayer for you today is that you would find the boldness and the courage to come to these altars today wide open with your wounds. If you have never read the story of Jonah, you are allowed to yell at God. Come down here today and tell him, I don't understand why you didn't save this person. I don't understand why I had to go through that. The altars are open for you to be angry, to be confused, to be crushed to point of grief. 
You're allowed to do that with your father. Jesus says that because in his demonstration, that's what he did. He went to God in his confusion and in his anger and in his wanting his cup to pass. That is available for you today. And the second group of people that I wanna address is those of you that are in the waiting. I don't know about you, but sometimes the hardest part (laughs) is the waiting. Is when you've prayed the prayers, but you haven't seen the answer yet. Nothing can feel more defeating than that. If you were here for the first time I preached on Family Matters last year, I shared about the fact that I have a very large family. Um, I have 13 siblings, 16 nieces and nephews, and a lot of parents. Do the math yourself. And majority of my siblings and family members are not believers. So most often the miracle that I'm praying for is salvation. I hope for and pray for a lot for my family. But that all pales in comparison to praying for their salvation. So that we can be family still in heaven to come. There was a few years ago where I was at my old church and I was in the lobby of the church. And I was drinking a cup of coffee and at that moment I felt the Lord say to me, enjoy it because it'll be your last one for a year. Because in the sermon I had just sat in, I felt the Lord tell me that there was gonna be a specific family member of mine that would come to know him. And that I should give up something, fast something for a year to dedicate to pray for her salvation. So I endured the caffeine headaches and the cravings. Guys, I went to Europe and I couldn't have coffee. I was suffering. Pray for your pastor, I mean just, I mean, when I talked about crush to the point of grief, you know, that's what I'm talking about. I couldn't have coffee in Europe. I even gave up coffee-flavored things, like coffee-flavored ice creams. It was a rough year. But I felt like it was a small sacrifice in light of praying for her salvation. Now, don't celebrate too soon. That was a decade ago, and she's still not a believer. In my humble opinion, I feel like she's further away from Christ today than she was 10 years ago, so I have been real hopeful about it. There has been days where I have questioned if I even heard God talk to me that day. There has been times where I have said, forget it. I'm not praying for this anymore. I'm like handing her over to hell, I guess. Like I'm just, I, I can't do it anymore. I was like, I'm tired. I'm tired of saying the same prayer over and over again. I'm tired. I found myself sounding a lot like um, the psalmist in chapter 13 where he says, Oh Lord, how long will you forget me forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle in my eyes or I will die. Don't let the enemies gloat saying, we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I trust in your unfailing love. And I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is so good to me. And the only reason I'm able to sing the last line of the but I trust in your unfailing love is because, as it always does, Sunday comes. 
And there's days where I sit in this room on a Sunday during the altar call and I see hands raised. I see people who make the decision to step over that line from death to life. People who have decided to follow Jesus, regardless of backgrounds and experiences, their eyes and hearts are open to him and they say yes. And then I get the unique job of reading their testimonies as we prepare for them to get baptized. And I sit at my desk in my office, weeping, (laughs) as I help people edit their baptism testimonies and read about people that we would have said are too far gone as they come to find life in Christ. And then I see them join the team and get into a small group. And it's because of people like you that have made those decisions that my faith gets renewed again. And I remember who my God is and I find myself on my knees praying again for my family's salvation, for the prayer that I had let aside, And I get hope again because I'm like, if you did it for them, you could do it for me. I remember that I serve the God that healed my friend Ashlyn from cancer. So I keep contending for her sister who has cancer. I think about my sister who was told that she couldn't have any kids for a decade and now has three. I'm reminded about what my God can do. I'm reminded that I serve a God that when I try to take my life, he saved it. There is, there is nobody too far gone for that God. There's no time that's too long for that God. The woman with the issue of blood waited for 12 years and in one moment, she was healed because of the God that I serve. A girl was dead and Jesus told her to get up and she rose. But I think 10 years is a long time. We have eternity. Nothing is too hard or too long. No one is too far gone for the God that I serve. So I get on my knees before him and I pray again. And quite often in the waiting, you will hear encouragements from stages that will say to wait well. And I think that's good advice, but we're humans. We don't do things well. So, I mean, some people do, I guess, if you're like really good at something, but you know, for the most part, we don't do things well. So my encouragement to you today is not to wait well. Wait messy if you have to. Drop the prayer and pick it back up. Lose hope and find it again. I just pray that you find that faith again. You might be sitting in this room and when the last two weeks that we've opened up the altar for prayer, you have sat in your seat or picked up your kids or went and got donuts and coffee and left because you're like, I've already prayed that prayer before. Come again. Because what if today's the day? We never know when it'll be. We never know what prayer will be it. So this series is for you too. Those of you in the waiting, and I get it, it is hard, (laughs) it is tiring, it can feel like the world is against you in that prayer, but it only takes one moment. Before your God, that's all it takes. 
So my encouragement for those of you in the waiting is to come again as well. You can also come angry. You can also come confused. You can also come with questions. You can also say, how much longer must I wait? I love that Psalm in 13 that says like, I will die if I have to do this any longer. I'm like, the dramaticness of the Psalms speaks to my soul. So I'm like, if I have to pray for this one more time, Lord, I will die. But there's an invitation again for that relationship. Because I have come to the belief that he is better. He is better than anything that I could ask for. And that my faith grows when I come to those moments with him. In the waiting, in the confusion, in the grief, he meets me there. My faith has been stirred because of people in this room. The waiting feels a little easier when I hear your stories. When I see that God has done it for you, I believe he can do it for me. Now I said the title of today's sermon is Sunday is Coming because we get the opportunity uh, for something unique. And I'm gonna have the band join me on stage now as well. Unlike the disciples, we know how the story ends. We know that Saturday was not the end. We know that Sunday came. We know that Jesus rose after three days. And we get to read the scriptures littered with the things that he did and that the disciples and followers of God did after him. We know that a Sunday is coming. And there are two of those that I wanna tell you about today. Because I don't know which camp you will find yourself in and I don't know what Sunday you will experience, but I promise you there is a Sunday. The first one is the possibility on earth. We have been talking the last two weeks about miracles that have taken place in the Bible, in this church, in our own lives. We believe, I believe, regardless of the prayers that I have prayed that went unanswered, I believe that the miracles are for today, right now, in this room. I believe that in this room, the lame can walk and the blind can see and the spiritually dead or physically dead can raise again because I've seen it. Regardless of the other things I've seen, I've seen that come true. We believe that here today. There is a possibility for you to find your miracle here on earth. And yes, we will pray for that in these altars, but it doesn't only happen here and it doesn't stay here either. You can pray for those possibilities in your cars, at home, in your workplace, because God will meet you there like he met them on a road, like he met them in a garden. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't only take place in these altars, but we are here believing with you today. We have an entire team of intercessors who pray for you throughout the week who have been fasting and praying for this moment today, for those of you that are waiting or those of you that are hurt to come and find your miracle here today, for you to find that gift of faith to say, God, I trust you. And I believe in your word and your miracles and who you say you are. I don't know why you didn't save this person. I don't know why they died, but I'm coming again. I'm coming for the possibility that the promiser that I trust will give me the promise that I asked for. And even if I don't see it today, I'm gonna come again. And I'm gonna keep praying and I'm going to keep believing 
because our faith needs to rest in the promise or not in the promise. But the promise that there is that gives me the hope to believe for the possibilities on earth is the promise of heaven. If you have made the decision to follow Jesus and you have made him the Lord of your life, you have the promise of heaven. In Hebrews 12, it's one of my favorite scriptures when I am walking through the Saturdays of life that I read. And the author writes that Jesus endured the cross because of the joy set before him. And that joy was twofold. The joy set before him was his glory and our salvation. Jesus prayed, yes, to be spared from the brutality and the violence and the agony of the cross. But when he stepped foot out of that garden and started on the trail to the cross, he was thinking about you. He was thinking that if I endure this cross and I die and when I raise again, like I will, that means that Galeramy has the possibility of salvation. That means that Erica has the possibility of salvation. That's what this means. And because of that joy set before me, because I see Caden on the other side of the cross, I'm gonna do this because I have something bigger set before me than what I'm enduring. And that same joy that was set before Jesus gets to be set along with us. So yes, will I pray at this altars and believe for your miracle and for mine? Will I pray for another decade and another decade and another decade for that same family member to come to know Jesus? Yes, I will. Because I have my eyes set on heaven. That is my prize. And my plan is to bring people with me. I will be bringing people along as I go to that joy set before me. So when Saturdays are tough and when the waiting seems long, I remember Sunday. I remember that there is a heaven waiting for me where I will have my questions answered, where every tear that I have, I have cried, God will make it up for, to me. There's a scripture in Revelations that says that there is an incense bowl full of the prayers of his people and that when he comes in the second coming, he will pour it out. He hears you. There's a woman in scripture named Hagar who calls God Elroy, the God who sees. He sees you while you are waiting, while you are hurting, while you crush your grief. He's like, I see it, I hear it. I'm storing those prayers up. One day it will all make sense. One day I will answer that prayer. There is a joy set before you if you will just keep going. If you will get up when it's tough and keep going on your race. So these altars today are for you. I have been praying for those of you that were like my best friend who is still walking through understanding why God didn't heal her dad of cancer. I'm thinking of her. I'm thinking of you, the people that have been praying for a cancer diagnosis to be reversed. I've been thinking and praying of you this week. And I just wanna offer you one advice, the courage to come up today to believe again, one more time. Give it one more shot. Because even if you don't get the prayer that you wanted, the answer that you wanted, you will get something even better. You get relationship with our Father, who has convinced me 
that everything that I've experienced, good, bad, and ugly has been worth it to know Him. Like Paul says, everything else has been rubbish compared to knowing Jesus. Compared to knowing the God that my soul finds rest in. That when I am in the midst of Saturday, I can still experience joy and peace and thankfulness because He is so good regardless of what life circumstances tells me. I can be in the midst of a Saturday and lean on Him and be like, you know what? I'm gonna do this again. I'm gonna get up again. I'm gonna believe again because I have a joy set before me. And we will live by faith at this church because we believe Sunday is coming. Would you bow your heads and pray with me, please? Lord, you were speaking to me as much as I was speaking to other people during this sermon. Thank you for the encouragement. Thank you for seeing us. Thank you for walking with us in our grief. Thank you for being a God that I can be angry at and confused with. And thank you for always bringing me back to a place of love and joy and peace. And Lord, I pray right now for those who had unanswered prayers, Lord, their grief is real. I do not wanna minimize it. Loss is horrible. You never meant for us to experience that. So I see them right now, Lord, and I pray your comfort. Pray even now before they come to these altars that they at this moment would be starting to feel that release of comfort and rest right now, that they would see if they have been hesitant to come to you with their mess, Lord, that they would bring it to you. That they would see you are a good God who welcomes it. And Lord, those who are in the waiting, Lord, would you encourage them to wait a little longer? Lord, for them to believe until we see the answer, until we see heaven, whichever comes first. Lord, that we'd get up again and pray again and ask again that we would be a church who lives by faith. A faith regardless of circumstances, a faith regardless of diagnosis, a faith that says, ah, but I have something greater. I serve God. The God who created the world, the world with his word and holds it in his hands. And Lord, I wanna pray for those who do not know you at all. Those whose hearts you have softened to say, hey, I, I don't even know this God that I would go to in the first place with a promise. If that is you and you would like to know Jesus today, it's very simple. I will lead you through a prayer, but if that's you, I'd like to see who it is I'm praying with. So could you raise your hand, please? Hey, I see that hand. I see that, thank you. Oh, praise God. Oh, praise God, sister. I see you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We'll have the whole church repeat after me, okay? That way you don't feel like you're doing it all by yourself. All right, we'll say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for giving your life for mine. Now I give you my life. I make you Lord of my life. Lord, would you help me come to know you? Would you help me grow in knowledge even more of who you are? I love you. And from this day forward, I will serve you. 
In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we wanna pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.